Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. Speaking on behalf of David Gasper, my name is Alex Sanchez. We did it. We beat the lockout. We made it. We survived. Give it up. I, I wish I had a like a confetti cannon or something or. Oh yeah, I mean, party favors right now. You can't see it, but it's definitely going off. Right now, we got close to doing this podcast and it not being done. And I was about to lose oh. my mind. Yeah, that was it, it was incredible. We made it somehow. I mean, the you had the deadline there on a Tuesday or whatever it was, and they pushed it back another day. And then uh, they canceled it. And then like, oh, now the international draft is popping up out of nowhere. And the players hate that. And so now we got to push that back. And then finally, they're like, OK, we'll agree to push the international draft back. And it's like, oh, hey, now we can finish everything else up. And then there were those late reports of Max Scherzer and the Mets trying to tank the deal. But eventually I can see that happening. Stupid. Yeah. But the player reps came through 26 of the 30 team player reps voted. Yes. And we have a deal and baseball is back in our lives after 99 days of being locked out. And Alex, I could not be happier. Well, we were going to have minor league baseball regardless, so we we still had jobs, which was good. But what good does minor league baseball really do if they can't get called up to the big leagues? It's all really for nothing at that point. Mm -hmm. So I am excited as well. I don't think we need to sit here and talk about some of the stuff that was agreed upon, CBT and all that stuff. Like you, If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you had MLB Network on the whole time and and you had your updates and you know it. What I do want to focus on a little bit, though, is what this does do for the minor leaguers and prospects that we know and love, both those that are close to the majors and very, very far off. Now, as you mentioned, the international draft became uh, a hot topic there for a second. I I mean, that was the point where I was about to really turn on the players if that was... The part, the part that was going to hold everything up. Like, we were going to lose games over an international draft. That's when, like, remember how we were 90-10 or whatever? It might have gone to 0-0, and I just hate everybody, and I'm going to watch PGA <laughs> golf. Luckily, yeah. it just took a little, you know, a day longer um, as they t- they sort of figured it out. But, I mean, I- I'll just speak on my, my thoughts. I don't know what your thoughts are exactly. I think I know what they are. But, like, that, the fact that we have just random people going out and talking to 12, 13, 14 year olds and then signing them two years later in quotation marks <laughs> um, yeah. at a first come first serve basis where there's handshakes under the table. And I get it. Like it's the the way out of these countries. And I, I totally sympathize with that. Um, there's a bunch of counter arguments I can make to that, that I don't fully believe in, but alas, I just couldn't believe that that was going to be the sticking point. So we're going to get an international draft, don't you think? And let me stop there and ask you your thoughts on um, if that's a good thing for baseball or status quo is, you know, the players should have fought harder for it. 
No, I, I think the international draft is a great thing. Uh, I've really kind of been pushing for it. Uh, I, th- I think it's a great idea. There is so much corruption and abuse within the current system. And yeah, I think it's ridiculous that you're pushing 12 and 13 year old kids, you know, trying to scout them. It's like, these are middle schoolers. Like, like these are seventh and eighth graders and you're having big league teams trying to scout them and sign them to million dollar bonuses, you know, early on. It's like, could you imagine being in eighth grade and a major league team coming after you being like, Hey, you're really good. We're going to give you a million dollars to play baseball. Like, it, it seems almost unreal that, that they're able to scout that far in advance, first of all. But then also, at any point over the next two years, you know, before they could actually sign, they could take it away from you. You know, they'd be like, hey, we've got too much, you know, money, you know, put up elsewhere. You're going to have to accept, uh, you know, $300,000 less in terms of your signing bonus. And you've got no recourse because it was only a handshake agreement. And, you know, everyone else already has spent their bonus pool money and, so there's no way to get that kind of money back, and you just have to take it. Um, it's an incredibly corrupt system. It, it needs change. I was surprised at the players' uh, opposition to it initially, but really their opposition seems to be more of it's like, hey, we need to take some time. We need to set up some infrastructure. We need to do this right. We can't just rush into it because you're going to destroy everything if you do. The Dominican Republic, Venezuela, they're not ready for this. We've got to set this up. You know, we got to have boots on the ground. We, we got to have voices on the ground. Listen to us, like especially the Latino players. It's like we know what the situation is down there. Your guys in the fancy league offices in New York don't. So they're going to take some time. They're going to work through uh, the details and what needs to be set up. And hopefully then by July 25th, we'll have an agreement uh, for that that'll end the qualifying offer, which is just in time for the trade deadline uh, that, that they'll know if the qualifying offer is gone or not. Yeah, convenient timing there. Um, but then hopefully we can have that put in place starting in 2024 at the earliest, maybe 2025, uh, depending on how much time they need. And that was going to be my point, that the opposition you were starting to hear from Tatis and Ortiz was that you can't do this right away. And that is a very valid point. No doubt about it, but I can't imagine that you think this system is better. Um, but yeah, putting it in place for like next year seems like a, a, a silly task to have. But they figured that out, and it's going to be interesting. I feel like uh, is going to you can trade these picks from what I've heard. There's going to yep. be like a, a rotating. Why can't they do that in the domestic draft too? Like that's what I'm wondering. Like I want I want yeah, full on trades in the domestic draft. Yeah, have the Yankees go all in and trade all of their picks, you know? That would be fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're going to have some other things here that affect the minor league players, and that's what I really wanted to focus on before we get to our main topic of the podcast today, and that was going over our uh, listener league. So we, uh, we've, we've set that up, and we're gonna, we've already started drafting for that league with uh, you are in that league, I am in this league, and um, the results are quite interesting. And we're going to compare those results to the aggregate list that we did in October. And I just couldn't believe how some people have risen up the ranks. And to be honest, I agree with a lot of the picks. Um, and there hasn't been any baseball besides perhaps the AFL. Um, and guys are getting bumped up 70, 80 spots from where our aggregate list was. So it's quite fascinating stuff. But before we go to that, let's talk about what the implications are 
for the minor leaguers. So the first thing is I got to say, I love this arbitration pool. I didn't quite get it at first. I was like, okay, so Mm -hmm. the arbitration players are going to get more money. Then I figured it out. I needed some graphics on MLB Network. They showed your boy, Corbin Burns and Vladdy, who each made less than $700,000. And with the incentives for being awesome, they got uh, a lot of money. Not, I mean, not 10 or 20 million, but, you know, a couple of million extra. And I feel like that's just a fantastic idea. I, uh, well, let me get your thoughts on that, first of all. Like, is that, how do you see this playing out for minor leaguers? Is it a way to get them up quicker? It, it actually might limit playing time. You don't want them to be a rookie of the year, so you pay them more. Um, I guess. I have some questions about it. What are your thoughts before well, uh, we move on? I mean, the pre-arbitration bonus pool, uh, I mean, that is going to be part of it. But I, I don't think it's going to – that is not going to be the thing that rushes uh, or, or helps teams kind of promote uh, players. I mean, it's certainly going to help the young guys like uh, Corbin Burns, reigning Cy Young uh, winner in the National League, uh, you know, get money uh, quicker. He would get, I believe, a $2.5 million bonus uh, from winning the, the Cy Young last year. I'm not sure if he gets it now because that was last year um but either way that dude's about to get paid hopefully with a contract extension but i'm going beyond the point here but i think the the really the really important thing that's going to impact minor leaguers potentially is the full year of service time to rookie to the top two finishers in rookie of the year um you know if you keep them down for you know a couple weeks you could get an extra you know year of service out of them you, you could delay free agency but if they win rookie of the year or they finish second in rookie of the year, they get a full season anyways. So holding them down an extra two weeks doesn't really change anything in terms of how long you have them. But, you know, for those extra few weeks, you may not have, you know, a, an extra couple of wins. Um, you know, maybe one or two games that you could have won uh, in those few weeks that you didn't because you didn't have this player up. And that could change where you are in the playoffs if you make the playoffs or, Anything like that. So I think that's going to start incentivizing a little bit uh, promotion of prospects. Um, I, I think it's a good start. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to have a huge impact on a lot of guys, you know, maybe a small handful, but it's better than nothing, I guess. And I suppose in future CBAs going forward, they could expand upon it. You know, once you agree, the top two rookie of the year finishers uh, get a full year of service. Then it's easier to agree that the top three do or the top five do. Um, and you can just kind of expand from there. Playing the devil's advocate card, do you think that it would possibly limit prospects coming up more? Because, hey, if we, you know, we're willing to keep them down for two to three weeks, why not keep them down for two months? And then, I mean, it's really hard to win rookie of the year when you're two months behind the competition. Any worries about that? Or is just still too minimal to really... I'm not I'm not that worried about it. Um, first of all, I, I will say this. Back in 2007, Ryan Braun was not brought up till the end of May and he still won rookie of the year. Um, you know, it, it is possible, especially if you put up just a ridiculous season. Um, but I think for a lot of these uh, teams, uh, de- development wise, it's it's not going to matter too much. Um, you know, if they don't plan on bringing a guy up till June uh, because they feel he needs more development or, or whatever else. They're, they're still not going to bring them up until June. You know, it, it, I don't think it's going to change too much on that end. Uh, you know, there may be a couple guys. I mean, you may have a couple of Chris Bryant situations. Um, you, know, you know, you may have someone like 
Bobby Witt Jr. or Adley Rutschman um, that's like, hey, like let's bring them up for opening day rather than keeping them down for two weeks. God, let's hope um, so. Be, yeah, hopefully. Uh, because then it's like, okay, let's just get this train rolling um, because – especially if they do what they're supposed to do, they're going to be a, uh, you know, rookie of the year, strong rookie of the year contenders anyways. Now I don't, I think I know the answer to this, but I just want to make sure. And I know you're a genius. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> now that pre arbitration money is collected by it. And it's split by every team before the end of the year. And it goes into a pool, right? It's not like, when Vladdy every it. team plays pays an equal amount into it or, or accounts an equal amount against their uh, competitive balance tax. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, or their payroll or whatever for that. Um, and yeah, it just gets kind of distributed, uh, you know, between the guys who win awards or, you know, do well in awards voting. Um, and then they divvy up the rest uh, among the top uh players by war. 20% uh, or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it was like top 100 pre-arb players or something by war. Uh, and I like that. Uh, I could understand why certain teams might be hesitant when they are looking at their, you know, minor leaguers coming up and like we, like the White Sox obviously would probably not like this right away because they're probably not going to get, uh, they're probably going to have to pay money and not actually have prospects come up and do anything. So I guess like, you know, but again, it's such a minuscule amount that um, I'm glad that they did find a, a balance. It, it was interesting because, you know, it's never existed before and the players are really holding tight to that high number at the start. And I was really worried about that because it's a great idea. I figured they would end up at $50 million from the get go. Yeah. Like like when they started at a hundred and MLB started at 10, I'm like, they're going to end up at 50. They have a hundred percent. But neither were budging for the longest time. Oh Um, yeah. And then, so, and I, it makes sense to meet in the middle on that because we've never seen it. We don't know what this, really will do i mean we have a good idea and a good guess but yeah. it's and, and the, and the important thing is to set the foundation for it because like yeah. like you're starting at 50 here odds are it's not going to be going down in the future you know in future cbas you can negotiate it up to uh 60 70 80 90 100 million dollars however much uh you need i mean you can just kind of keep on negotiating that up so the important thing is is setting that foundation and then you can keep on making it grow from there yeah, and those minimum league salaries are, are going up. They're still dirt cheap for the production you might be getting, you know, from a, a Torkelson or a Rutschman when they come up. You're still paying them pennies on the dollar, and you still get them for three years. I just wish that there was something to encourage you to start your prospects up and not worry about any service time. But the, I guess that's just for the next five years, I guess. And um, I, just, I, I just wish it was like Rutschman is the best – player on the Baltimore Orioles and there it's not a guarantee that he's starting with them and that's frustrating Um, and the blackouts and the fact that you know you have to have seven different subscriptions if you want to watch every game throughout the year and now we have to get more yeah yeah no that's what I'm saying Apple TV Peacock now YouTube I mean it's not that crazy because I already have those already so I mean who doesn't have you know some sort of access to YouTube and but it's still, you know, strange that baseball was very willing to damage its face. And how, I mean, how much damage does it really get? Right now, it seems like this was a horrendous black eye for the sport. But uh, I, I know I, I 
retweeted something that says, you know what, when it's all said and done, you're not going to miss any games. The season is on schedule. You're going to get a universal DH. You're going to kind of limit service time manipulation in a sense. You're going to pay your younger players. You're going to fix some of the corrupt things in the international draft. Like it's going to be a win in the, in the long run, like two or three weeks from now, you won't even remember this lockout, but right now it does feel like we went to hell and back and, um, (laughs) We don't have to worry about it anymore. So let's move on. We are we have minor league baseball inter squad games going on right now, and uh, like I said, we have this listeners league uh, prospects only challenge that we're doing that we want to talk about. So um, let's get right into that. And yeah. while we get into that, a couple of things. Number one, I'm actually on the clock right now, so you're going to hear a live pick that I'm going to make. And second, we need to talk about the platform in which we are doing that. And that of course is our sponsor fan tracks. And I wanted to mention this in association with the prospect league, because we have very interesting rules that normal dynasty fantasy leagues would not have. You cannot pick a major league player with one at bat with one pitch thrown in the big leagues. And so our commissioner, Scott green, of course, who's, by the way, having a pina colada, I think, in Florida right now. But uh, he, you know, he was able to set up these settings into fan tracks for free, by the way. We're all paying for free, uh, playing for free. And we're doing the draft right now. And nobody can pick Soto or Acuna, even if they wanted to, because they're not in the draft. And I don't know any other platform that you'd be able to do this. And it just goes to show you, whatever you want to do with fan tracks, you're going to be able to do and most of the time it's going to be free. And if it's super crazy, then you have that, you know, the premium leagues as well that you can get. And then again, it's like you just everybody pitches in a couple bucks and you got it. It's not that crazy at all. Love it. Um, and I'm going to do my pick right here in a second. But again, before I do the pick, the Wander Franco jersey is still up. So if you have not signed up for a new league on Fantrax, that's Fantrax.com slash prospects 1500. Do so now. You'll be entered in there. I believe this will be the last week. And you're going to be entered in to win that signed Wander Franco jersey, who is going to uh, – well, you know what? He's not eligible because he signed that contract. So, Yeah. He made a big mistake, I guess, huh? No, no made, I don't uh, think he did. I, I know. I'm just joking, of course. But, um, again, so Fantrax, absolutely free. Join today. Get into that Wander Franco, um, and you're going to really enjoy it. And, um, yeah, so that I, that's the prospects league I'm up on the, the, the draft right now. So let, let's go ahead and, uh, do a live look in here. I'm yeah, we, we are, we are in the 15th round. You, you have yeah, the 11th pick in the draft order. We're in the 15th round and you're building up your team. What are your options, man? What are you thinking here? Yeah, this is pick two. <laughs> this is crazy. 235 and we're not even close to being done. I don't even think we're halfway yet. <laughs> no, we got 50 rounds. So, so we're, yeah. we got a long way to go. Now, this draft is interesting, and I, you know, I can use my pick here to also explain sort of the mentality that I think goes along with this. I don't think you can go straight prospect list your top guy because what happens is as soon as they come up to the big leagues, that's when you start getting points. And so it does benefit you if they're close to the big leagues. Um even if they're not superstars, the fact that you'll be accumulating points while other people are waiting on, let's say, the 2022 draft guys like your Jordan Lawlers and your Myers and 
your uh, Brady House. Like, if you pick those guys, you're waiting three, four years, most likely, before they actually do anything. But a guy that actually just went off the board that I was really interested in was Diego Castillo, who is a infielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's been in AAA. He's essentially, like, almost guaranteed a roster spot relatively soon, if not a starting spot right out of the gate because Pittsburgh sucks. And so he's going to accumulate <laughs> stats. Is he going to be awesome? The, the chances are going to say probably not. But we've seen crazy guys like this just come up and, you know, turn into Brian Reynolds or stuff like that. And all of a sudden now you're accumulating stats uh, ahead of anybody else, you know, especially if you compare him to Brady House. Now, Diego Castillo went pick 230 <laughs> and Brady House went much earlier than that. But still, the... Pretty on my squad. Oh, that's oh very nice. I didn't yeah, know. I, I picked him in the my, third round. At yeah, the end of the third so, round, yeah. You're gonna have to wait. Whereas, you know, uh Scott, who picked Diego Castillo. Uh it sounds like I'm sucking up to Scott. I actually didn't know he picked him. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Diego Castillo is gonna definitely be up before Brady House. And um, who knows? Maybe he turns into a stud and then boom, you got something. So um my pick right now at two hundred and uh what 35 i don't want to list a bunch of players because i would like them to come back around to me so you actually have two picks after me and um well i know you will listen to the podcast because you're on it so i'm not going to give you some of my other guys um but i am going to take a guy from st louis who has a huge ceiling now this goes against kind of what i was saying and his name's joshua Baez. he was drafted this year um he is very very far away but this is a dude that literally said he wants to be better than Mike Trout. And so let's let's see it, Josh. You'll do that. And uh, there's my pick. So uh, you actually you might get a pick, too, as well. You're only two away. So yeah, if you get a, that, that, that blowhorn, uh, I love fan tracks, but <laughs> this is a true story. I have, you know, I'm a teacher. I, I teach when the kids are in the classroom, during passing period and really? whatnot. I'm just, get, stay with me here. <laughs> when it's passing period or if we're doing silent reading, you know, I don't need to silently read with the kids. I just need to make sure they're doing it. And, you know, maybe I have my draft on in the back. If, if Mr. White, if you're here listening to this, is this, I'm all making this up. He's my principal, by the way. Um, but I had this on in the background because I was waiting for my pick. And then I have my speakers on. And then that blowhorn came on <laughs> in the middle of class. Well, I was standing like far away from my computer and everybody was like, what in the world was that? And I was like, I don't know. What was that? That was crazy. And so that's a true story. Anyway, Fantrax, maybe low key, put that flow horn down a little bit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, my so God. So what I have done mess. here, well, I thought that was a pretty good story. I thought I'd get more out of you than that, David. I'm, I, I, I mean, I, I was kind of seeing where, like, I was kind of seeing where you're going, like. <laughs> <laughs> that'll go in my teacher book later okay so okay. what i've done here is we got to get to some content here quickly um i have our top 200 aggregate list that we've talked about on this very podcast and if you haven't listened to that you can go back and check that one out where all staff writers basically gave their top 100 list and we created uh, essentially top 100 list well top 210 list for prospects 1500 that you could follow That came out in October of 2021. It is now March of 2022, and there have been no baseball games that really mean anything since then. And yet, um, I put the Listener League results next to 
this top 210 list, and there are some extreme differences. Um, people are taking guys very, very early, and some guys had prospects fall to them in an insane amount of value. So we're going to go over the biggest differences that we have from that list from October to what's actually taking place in a league that means something. I mean, granted, it's not like you're going to win thousands of dollars if you win this league, but like it's a public league and I think everybody is really involved. I mean, this draft has gone faster than any draft I've ever been a part of. Mm -hmm. People really are into this. So these draft picks mean something. Nobody's just saying, watch, I'm going to take, the Dell Bruhan so that everybody looks uh, you know, on the 10th pick to, oh, that's my guy. Nobody's doing that. They're literally trying their best to win with those rules that we mentioned. You can't pick major league prospects at all. So guys like, um, just looking at my list here, uh, who uh, Shane Boz, you know, that's the one you can't pick because the Dell Bruhan, the guy I mentioned, obviously. O'Neill Cruz off the board. O'Neill Cruz had that two game cameo. He's off the board. So granted that does make, the list a little different because you know you're gonna you're gonna reach because you can't pick major league guys but still there's some crazy things even early on so um one guy that um has really shown to go up is anthony volpe um he is picked number six overall by scott and volpe was 16th overall in our aggregate ranking so from october to march where really Nothing in the AFL would change your thoughts. We see a huge jump in Volpe. We see also two guys that have seen some falls. And one of their guys is the uh, a player I picked in CJ Abrams, who goes to me at number 11 overall. We had him ranked sixth overall. And Noelve Marte, who for a while there was everybody's guy. And he was top five prospects at, and at, you know, for a lot of guys, he was seventh on our aggregate ranking. He goes at 12th overall to at not, not knock. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, these Twitter names are going to be interesting, but um, interesting there. So Volpe, CJ Abrams and Marte Volpe gets picked way earlier than we would have done in October. Whereas Abrams and Marte fall what do you think? Do you think that, you know, the aggregate ranking in October is a little bit more representation of where they should be? Or are you leaning towards how they actually went in an actual league? Well, here's the thing with Volpe. Like, I have the 15th pick, uh, 15th pick there in the first round. And I was playing, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I should be able to, you know, hopefully I can uh, have him land there. He doesn't get sniped right in front of me, you know, planning to get him with the 15th pick. But no, Scott just says I'm going to take him off the board here at number six. Um, you know, I, I think the hype with Volpe has definitely grown over the last few months. Um, you know, just kind of maybe like looking back in total at his season, uh, or, or whatever it is. And, you know, uh, I've seen a bunch of places just kind of like looking ahead, trying to project out, uh, the next, like, you know, number one type prospects after Witt and Rutschman and, and Julio, uh, all graduate, who's going to be kind of that next top guy. And a lot of them are pointing to, Volpe. So, you know, might as well get that guy early while you can. And so you had a couple of jumps there. I mean, Volpe went up. Uh, Tristan Cassis jumped up five spots as well. Um, and you're sitting there, Alex, at 11. And C.J. Abrams falls into your lap like Aaron Rodgers did to the Green Bay Packers back in the 2005 <laughs> NFL draft. He just fell right to you. And I... 
I am pretty sure you could not click the draft button fast enough, could you? No, I mean, it's madness for me to think that you would take Volpe ahead of Abrams. Um, I mean, it's, it, you know, I don't think he's a pop-up prospect by any means, but to have just one season all of a sudden vault him up from like a top 150 guy to a top six guy seems to be madness, whereas C.J. Abrams is coming with huge draft capital, has done it for multiple years, granted had an injury. But yeah, I mean, I that was a no-brainer. Um, to me, CJ's a top five guy still, and I love Volpe. I think Volpe is going to be fantastic. And to be honest, I wanted to mention this too, is Volpe is pretty close to the big leagues. There's been talk that he might even debut in 2022. So, but I can say the same thing for Abrams as well. So yeah, at yeah. 11, I think that's that's pretty crazy. I can see, you know, not taking a chance on Noel V. Marte in a league like this, because out of the top 15 picks, um, I think he's probably the furthest away out of everyone. Yeah. I mean, I can't see. I mean, maybe Marco Luciano is also kind of just as far away. Um, I think Robert Hassel's maybe probably pretty far too, but like they're really, really far away. And for a league like this, that's pretty risky to do, but uh, interesting stuff. All right. Let's move on to the next guy that we just have to do because it does stick out. But I wonder if it sticks out as much as we think. And that's where I want to get your thoughts. This is Bryson Stott. Going to um, our boy Gator Sosa at Gator Sosa. Um, Bryson Stott, shortstop for the Philadelphia Phillies. He is probably up relatively soon, perhaps even the starter right now. Um, Goes at 17 overall. Okay, we had him 94 picks later in our top. He didn't make our top 100 pick. So to go from October to where we're at now. What do you think about Bryson Stock getting picked at 17th overall? I mean, I thought that was pretty early. I, I was not expecting to see Stott go off the board there. Um, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it. I mean, he didn't really snipe me at all because I wasn't thinking that that was going to happen. But, um, you know, that, that's where kind of the strategy comes in where, you know, if you're looking for guys who can uh, play, play in the big leagues pretty quickly, start accumulating some stats and uh, – you know, clear some more of those minor league spots to add some more players you might like. You know, that seems to be a strategy that uh, that Jake, that, that Gator Sosa took. And, you know, that's, you know, we'll see how it works out for him. Uh, he passed up on Zach Veen, uh, who I gladly took with my next pick. But, um, yeah, Stott, it's that proximity to the big leagues that really helps. I mean, he's got the name, first-round pick. Um, you know, and a chance to play uh, on a regular basis pretty quickly. And for a draft like this, for, for a league like this, that's going to vault him up the board. I I definitely get it. I mean, 94 picks later seems like impossible. And but he still probably could have been able to get him the next round, like the next time his picks came around, he probably still yeah, could have there, got there's there's some people that really, really have stopped highly up. And I think it's the people that have that proximity. I mean, he's going to be there. I just don't know how good he's going to be. I feel like he's just going to be, you know, a 15 homer guy with like a 260 average for a while. Maybe he he makes a big jump, but nothing in his profile really suggested all-star level guy. Whereas oh, Zach Veen has all-star level. Say, hey, Suzuki, 
we've seen what he might be able to do. Josh Young, Hunter Green, Brian Rocchio, Jose Miranda. Like, we're talking potential all-stars here, and none of them are that much further away, especially, I mean, Zach Veen for sure is far away, but Suzuki's yeah. playing right now. Young got injured, that's, but he was ready to go. Hunter Green's going to be up. Uh, Rocchio's probably pretty far away. Miranda's going to be up soon. So these are some guys later on that um, I think are pretty similar in proximity but have higher ceilings. Still, shortstop. Going to play right away, most likely. I understand it. Definitely not 94 picks later, but a little early for me. Now, I did want to congratulate you on your first couple of picks because what I did with my list is um, highlighted the people that made good value picks, which if you make a good value pick again on this, it's saying something because our aggregate list also includes major league prospects like those O'Neill Cruises that we were talking about. So to get a good value with those guys removed is even more impressive. I happen, according to our list, to get a good value with Abrams, but you also got a good value with Marco Luciano, who is seven picks after we suggested he should go in our aggregate list, and Zach Veen, who went four spots after he should have in our aggregate list as well. So great value there. I mean, it's hard to get value like that in the first and second round of drafts like this, especially with so many I'll just put it. I mean, we're experts. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. So many. Yeah, yeah we know everybody in this league is an expert. So yeah. uh, congratulations on that. I mean, again, Marco and Veen, I, I don't understand why, if you like them so much, that things would have changed from October. I mean, I feel like even in, you know, I guess the promotion hurt Luciano more than anything. But Zach Veen did nothing to show you that he should go down. I guess he didn't go down too much, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming you were very happy with those two picks. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, coming to the end of that first round there, um, you know, the, the pick before me, I'm like, okay, I'm taking either Luciano or Robert Hassell. Uh, and then Robbie, the guy before me took Hassell. I'm like, all right, well, this is easy, I guess. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I took uh, Luciano and um, you know, I, I think that was a uh, certainly great value there. Uh, I think he's kind of, you know, really, really up in that, uh, you know, top, you know, 15, top, top tier of, uh, even top 10, uh, tier of prospects. Uh, yeah, Zach Veen, uh, getting around there to, um, the next round. I'm like, you know, same kind of thing. He, he just kind of fell there. I mean, Thomas and Stott went in, went in those sandwich picks, uh, in between, uh, from Jake and, you know, it was just kind of, you know, relatively simple. And like, I was think I was debating maybe also, you know, say a Suzuki, um, cause he's going to be big league ready. Um, uh, but also at the time we did not know when the lockout was going to end, uh, when, when this first round happened, um, and what was really going to happen there, how long it would go and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I ended up going with Veen, you know, taking the, the big upside there. Uh, really a lot of my early picks here are, are big upside and, and far away. Uh, Luciano Veen and the third round, it took Brady house, um, Fourth round, Hedbert Perez, because I got to get my guy. You know, mm-hmm. I got to get my guy. <laughs> um, the next couple of picks are actually big reaches. And I will tell you who those guys are right after this break. Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. back futures focus with you this is of course a podcast brought to you by prospects 1500 check out the site we got loads of stuff coming up david gasper joining me my name is alex sanchez now left you on a cliffhanger right there before the break the next couple of picks here which are going to be the 21st through the 25th are all multiple picks early than they should have gone according to our aggregate list okay so i'm going to give you these numbers and i want you to tell me which one do you think is not the reach all right or at least the reach okay you know what i mean so like who do you like the best out of this okay so it goes hunter green went 22 picks earlier than our aggregate list suggested i picked brian rocchio who went 33 picks earlier than we suggested uh, at Benny Tro picked Jose Miranda 43 spots earlier than we suggested he should. And down on the farm, eight selected Miguel Vargas 37 spots earlier than we suggested. And then Michael Kelly selected Nick York, who went 27 spots earlier than we suggested. So these are a lot of reaches, and I'm including myself in that. Um, I have an explanation for mine, but I wanted to know which one of those is the least reachy. I made that word up right now. Least of a reach in your eyes? Uh, I, I think for me, um, I'd probably have to go with Nick York. Um, I, I think he's really kind of vaulted up lists and, and really kind of pushed himself into that kind of a conversation. I don't think it's that much of a reach. Uh, his stock has really been uh, going up a lot lately. And, you know, I, I think that's a really solid pick for for Mike there. But, I mean, also Hunter Green is, is another – solid one as well i know there's some concerns with you know being a pitcher but also green is relatively close to the big leagues um you know he should he should see some time in cincinnati uh, this season i believe so uh, you know i think that also kind of bumped him a little bit and hunter green is ridiculously talented um so i think those two picks aren't that bad of reaches at all I agree with you. I'm going to be honest. I was going to prop a shocker. I was actually going to take Hunter Green with that pick because mm. of what you said. He's close to the big leagues, and I didn't want to pick 18, 19, 20-year-old pitchers. And, have and you to got risk sniped. Them. Yeah, because I want guys that are high ceiling that are close to the big leagues. So I think Hunter Green in this particular draft gets vaulted up quite a bit. Now, am I taking Hunter Green in like a dynasty league where I can take a, a young major leaguer uh, as a hitter? Probably not. H- he scares me for sure. But, you know, he's off of that Tommy John. He should be good to go for a little bit. And uh, he's really, I don't see how he doesn't make it up within the first couple months unless something just disaster strikes. Uh, I, lo- I love Rokio. I've told you that before. He's one of my big risers. I, I didn't know I loved him so much until I started to look more into him. Um, but yeah, Nick York's a great pick. That was the 
literally that was the other guy I was looking at. It was York and Rokio. Um, I just know more about Rokio after I did my research, a deep dive onto him and, and the switch hitting. You know, if you're a switch hitting middle infielder, you got me. I mean, at this point, yeah. uh, I'll just be honest with you. If you're if you can do that, I love you. And um, he has a hit tool with the switch hitting. <laughs> Um, moving on a little bit later, I have to talk about this guy because I don't, you weren't on the podcast for this, but I went over a trade involving this player for, I gave up Quinn Priester. I gave up Gunnar Henderson and I gave up a 15th overall first year player draft for this year. And I got this player who, according to our list, went 75 picks earlier than we would have suggested in October. That is Dustin Harris the first baseman slash outfielder for the Texas Rangers. Talk about a pop-up prospect if we're going with Volpe and York. Dustin Harris is a guy that if you're just now joining the bandwagon and you're not going to be able to get him because he is going crazy early. He's the 29th pick in this draft. Again, 75 picks earlier than we had him in October. And he hasn't done anything since October. So I think I won that trade is what I'm saying. But yeah. what do you think about Dustin Harris now a top 30 prospect? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big jump for him, especially when you got, um, you know, some of these other uh, big-name players that are still on the board. Jordan Walker, Marcelo Meyer, George Kirby, Luis Matos. Um, you know, you had a bunch of really solid guys, solid prospects that no one could fault you for taking uh, at that spot. But instead, uh, John Dodd going with, Dustin Harris and you know it, it's it's seeing your guys and and kind of knowing who's going to be uh coming up and and just trying to make sure you get them I mean that, that's really kind of the big thing with this league like if you got your guy whoever it is just get them just, just mm-hmm. go and get your guy and that was mentioned in the chat that you have to get your guy because it's going to be literally almost 20 to 30 picks before you get another chance. And Dustin Harris clearly was not going to be coming back around. I mean, I probably would have taken Harris on my next pick had he made it to me, which would have been the 43rd overall pick. Um, but yeah, Dustin Harris is a, is a big, I mean, again, we've talked about having a hit tool and then developing power. And Dustin Harris has always had that plus hit tool, but the power was always in question. And then he added the power this year. So what's left to not, love about this guy i just i think dustin harris is fantastic and i would happily trade gunner henderson and quinn priester who went both of those guys went a lot later than dustin harris did so i feel like i stole dustin harris a few months ago uh you as you mentioned the guys that went after him though were all good values albeit not huge values jordan walker went five spots after we we said he should go marcelo meyer 13 spots interesting to see him fall a little bit in this draft but a great pick there. George Kirby and Luis Matos. I, I, I love Luis Matos. I probably would have, you know, if I could, if you said I couldn't pick Rokio, I probably would have gone Matos or, like I said, Nick York. Um, another guy. This is a huge one. And, again, at Max Prospe- uh, Prospects, I've mentioned this in the chat as well. He went 71 spots earlier in this draft than we suggested he would have. So that's a 71-point reach according to our aggregate. And I'm not even mad at it. It's Kobe Mayo for Baltimore. Another guy that has power and he has the hit tool, apparently. I mean, it's been a short amount of time, but he really showed a nice hit tool to, as his debut. And he's massive. I mean, he's 6'4", 
beast. He just looks so imposing up there. What do you think of Kobe Mayo here at 37 overall? I mean, that that's a big jump for Kobe Mayo. Um, you know, I'd like to ride the Mayo train. You know, it sounds uh, sounds delicious. Um, but <laughs> sorry, I I had to make that joke. Uh, I'm I'm just as ashamed of it as you are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Baltimore's got a really strong system uh, right now, and uh, Mayo is someone that you know I really liked in that uh, 2020 draft that they came out of. And you know, I don't know if I'd like him this high uh, right now, but you know, as we're kind of saying, if that's your guy, go go out there and get him because you know, but by, by the next time he, he came around, Mayo probably would have been gone. Um, so it, it makes sense to to go and get him. Uh, by the way, you know, a few months ago, Gunnar Henderson and Kobe Mayo were like equal, and Gunnar Henderson doesn't even go in our top 100 in this listener league. Pretty insane. Yeah. Um, Kobe Mayo is the the guy you want if you don't if you can't get Adley and you want a hitter. Kobe Mayo is that guy. Fantastic pick. I like. I'm, I'm not even mad at that. I love it. Um, I, again, another shocker. I was actually thinking Gabriel Moreno for my next pick before Scott picked him. Um, he got a nice value there, a plus eleven value for him. He Gabriel Moreno went later than he should have according to our aggregate. Um, I really liked. The fact that you could get a catcher that was close to the big leagues and people seem to love Moreno. Again, I'm not taking catchers in my dynasty leagues over young hitters, but for a league like this, it made some sense to me. I'm glad I didn't have to take it, though, because I think everybody would have yelled at me. Uh, Another catcher, technically, Tyler Soderstrom goes to Michael Kelly 20 picks later than he should have. Um, Soderstrom, I, I liked for a long time. I'm, I'm surprised to see him fall to number 40 for us in our listener league. Um, what do you think of, uh, I mean, those two catchers, I mean, are people joining me on the anti-catcher bandwagon or why, why wouldn't you take those two guys earlier? I, I think that might be it. It might just be guys not wanting to, to draft catchers and not really kind of going, going all in on guys like that. So you know, when you see your guys like uh, Kobe Mayo or Dustin Harris or uh, whoever, you see them there, uh, you'd rather grab them, um, get your corner infield set up, you know, because that's going to be where your where your big power, your your big uh, home run RBI stats guys uh, are going to be. Um, not as much from the catcher position, so those guys really kind of jump up. Catchers fall down a little bit, um, and I think that's just what happened to Moreno and Soderstrom. Just because I mean, we got a lot of we got a lot of big dynasty fantasy guys in here, and uh, you know I think you're not alone in your assessment to being anti-catcher, um, and just a whole bunch of others shared the sentiments until really it it became too much to to pass up, you know, for for Scott and for for Michael, you know, with those guys sitting there, it was such incredible incredible value you couldn't really pass them up any longer. With Moreno and Soderstrom, though, like they might not even catch full time. Soderstrom, for sure, is not a long term catcher. And Moreno, they've been talks about him playing third base. So, yeah, like, but the bat, get them but, yeah, the but catcher, you love the bat as well. Yeah, if you can get those guys and stick them in your catcher position and not it, obviously as much as you could, even a year or two in that catcher position, and they're playing a different position, that's that's worth the gamble, I think. So, very interesting there. 
Um, a couple guys. Uh, let's see. Let's go down a little bit further. Another pop-up guy. This guy makes sense. This is going to Jacob Gator Sosa. Ellie De La Cruz goes 103 picks earlier than we suggested. Um, we didn't even have him in our top 100. I'm, I'll be honest. I didn't rank Ellie De La Cruz. I probably would now if I was doing it. But I don't know if I'd rank him 49th. Um, but, man, another guy that people seem to start watching minor league highlights in, you know, September, October and saw this guy who is a specimen. There's no doubt. Like the things he can do with the bat, the wheels are insane, but man, nobody seemed to like him while he was actually playing because he didn't get ranked highly at all. So Ellie De La Cruz, Cincinnati Reds, number 49th overall. How close are you to uh, Jake there? Or are you still leaving him off your top 100? You think? I was uh, I was not close to to Jake there on that. I I was not thinking Ellie De La Cruz there at all. Uh, probably not for probably a couple of rounds later. Um, but I know he's been getting the hype and he's been kind of pushing his way up to some top 100 lists. I didn't know he'd be making his way to top 50s, but um, you know Jake is uh, he's got his strategy uh, with with how he's going about it. And you know a lot of the guys that, that he's got, you know, just kind of scrolling through. Um, these, uh, these picks here, a lot of his picks based on our aggregate were reaches, uh, based on our numbers. Um, but you know, those are, those are his guys and that's kind of, um, just kind of going about his plan and, and where he's trying to go. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning here, not to hate on Jake. He's, he's one of the guys I respect the most. Yeah, I great mean, dude. He, Absolutely. Uh, Very he's smart. Got, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got back to back picks. And in a draft like this, that's tough because it's literally 32 picks before you get to go again. So both of the guys he picked here, Yuri Perez and Ellie De La Cruz, are probably not top 50 prospects. I would even venture to say not in his mind as well, but they definitely are top 75 guys, which is what you'd have to wait to to get them. Um, I can guarantee that both of those guys would have gone. I know I would have taken Yuri Perez for sure. Um, I think within one of my next two picks before it came back to him. So he, he that's a little tough to do. Um, I, you kind of feel that as well with, you know, you have him in between your picks. So you got to get back to back picks too. Yeah. But and I, I've got a plan for, for what he might do. And, you know, I think it's like, yeah, okay, you know. who do I take first and give him a chance to take and strategy. Yeah. And I wanted to say, congratulations. You were able to get, <laughs> Head Burt Perez without yes. reaching. You actually got him 14 picks after we suggested you should take him in the aggregate. As happy as that probably makes you, it also is a little concerning, I would imagine, to see that he's sort of fallen off some of that hype because that's pretty. I mean, we had him really aggressively ranked and nobody was interested in him until you snag him at 50. But I'm sure you were. You're not listening to what I just said at all, huh? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Uh, I, I was thrilled to get him there at the beginning of the fourth round. Um, you know, I was I was thinking of taking him there in, in the third, you know, right before uh, Jake was taken. I'm like, hmm, who is Jake more likely to take, Hedbert or Brady House? And I'm like, he's probably more likely to take Brady House of those two guys. So I'll take Brady House first, and then um, Hedbert goes to me there in the fourth round. Cause I knew for a fact he would not have made it back to me at the end of the fifth. He would not have made it that far. No, I, I know that no. for sure. That's so, familiar. yeah. So I'm like, okay, this is a spot. Uh, I got to take him, And I did. So I got my, 
uh, outfielder that I am so incredibly high on. And you, sir, were able to get yours a few picks later. You're riding the Michael Harris train, yep. uh, and you got him just a few picks after me in the fourth yeah. round. Yeah, and again, that example of, you know, actually, I think Michael Harris is a top 50 guy, so I, I can't really say that, but I only had to spend 10 picks earlier than our aggregate actually had him at, which I feel like our aggregate had him much too low, so I got my guy as well. Um, and I did the same sort of thing, because I had a pick where, you know, I knew I was getting somewhat back-to-back picks, and I had to kind of think, you know, who's more likely to go? And my last two picks were George Valera and Michael Harris, and I made that same decision. Like, I want both of these guys. I actually probably would have Harris ranked ahead of Valera if I was making my own list, but I am so keen to the prospect values of these members that I picked Valera first, hoping that Harris would fall back, and voila, he did. However, I I can't wait to talk about this next guy because Ethan Small goes at number 55 in our draft, who went Mm -hmm. 106 spots in our aggregate later, meaning he didn't make our top 100 list, not even close. I mean, that's top 150 or so. Um, And he goes to at Benny Tro. Uh, Can you defend that pick? Um, Or do you think that's even uh, just a ridiculous stretch? And I gave you two extreme examples there. So, but uh, no, again, no offense to any of the guys picking, you get your guy, like we said, you had to. So, but Ethan Small at 55, that must get you pretty excited too. Yeah, it does get me excited, even though I'm not the one that picked him. And I was hoping to grab him with uh, my next pick after Hedbert there, but uh, that didn't happen. But Ethan Small, he dominated AAA, uh, and he's going to pitch in the big leagues this season. Um, He's going to make it up, and he's going to have a really strong career in the rotation uh, at some point. He may not be in the rotation in the big leagues this year, uh, just because that Brewers group is so stacked. Plus, you got Aaron Ashby uh, as the number six guy. Uh, in that group, who's not eligible for this draft because he made his debut last year. Um, but Ethan Small, um, I think that's an incredible pick um, by by Benny Tro, and it's uh, you're you're going to see him up in the big leagues relatively quickly. Um, we'll see kind of how soon spots actually open up for him in the big leagues. But uh, he dominated AAA. He's dominated every step of the way in the minor leagues, really. Um, you know, I, I think the only reason he's ranked lower is because, you know, they, they kind of see him more as that uh, mid to back end type of starter um, rather than a, an ace potential type dude. Uh, but he's going to be a really solid dude who's going to put up numbers, um, be really successful in the big leagues. And um, he's added a slider to his pitch mix. Um, he's got plenty of pitches. He's. I'm a big Ethan Small guy. I I love that dude. I think he's going to be fantastic, and I think that's a fantastic pick. Yeah, I mean, that's really good arguments for him. It it fits kind of that Hunter Green model where you want pitchers that are very close to the big leagues with high ceilings, and he definitely fits into that. So it makes sense. So, yeah, I, I don't think I love Ethan Small ahead of some other pitchers, but his proximity definitely can boost him up in a draft like this. This is the spot of the draft where we had huge reaches and huge values. So let me go over a few of these, then we can talk about who you want. We talked about Ethan Small goes 106 picks earlier in our draft here than we suggested in the aggregate. Juan Yepes goes 87 picks earlier than he should have, according to our aggregate, to at down on the farm eight. Michael Kelly picked Christian Hernandez 64 picks earlier than he should have. 
according to our aggregate. And Greg Bracken gets Jason Dominguez at number 58 overall, 32 picks after we suggested you should have taken him. We had Jason Dominguez at number 26 on our aggregate list. That seems pretty insane now that I think back on that. Um, what a risk. But, man, those are some insane values. And we're not even done. Look at this. Joey Weimer, your guy, Scotty, believes mm-hmm. in him, picks him 87 picks earlier than we suggested. James Triantos, a guy who I've really come to love lately, is unranked. We didn't even rank James Triantos in our aggregate list in October. He goes at 60 overall, and I'm not even mad at it. I told this to at Max Prospects that I love James Triantos now, and I didn't in October, and that's that's my fault. That's shame on me. So out of all those guys, you know, you have a bunch of reaches technically. Again, they're not really reaches. I feel like if we did our aggregate again, we'd have a lot of movement. Um, and one super value at uh, 32 spots for Greg with Jason Dominguez. Anybody there catch your eye that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I mean, Dominguez was a guy that I was just like, wait a minute, could he make it back to me? Like, you know, how much longer is he going to? Is he going to fall? Is he going to last? And uh, finally, he was taken there. But, I mean, great value. I mean, Dominguez has always kind of been, you know, a, a risky prospect because he's just so far away but so talented. And there's just, um, you know, strikeout concerns and everything else. So, um, a lot of risk there. Joey Weimer uh, going to, to Scotty there at, what was that, 59. I mean, Weimer has been skyrocketing. Uh, lately, especially in the second half of the season, he was, you know, when we did this in October, he was kind of getting some like back end top 100 consideration from a couple of people. Um, and, and even his Arizona Fall League stuff wasn't really that great. I think he only played like nine or 10 games in the Arizona Fall League. Um, but I mean, he, he looked good in those few games, but he didn't really play that much. Uh, but he's really kind of been jumping up. Um, and, you know, everyone's kind of looking at it, it's like, OK, this dude's a potential 30-30 guy um, with a really strong hit tool uh, that, that he's shown this year. And, you know, I, I think that's a great pick by by Scotty. Um, it, it's just someone who's going to kind of continue to go up an incredibly high ceiling. Um, so that's uh, it's going to be a big one to watch. And he's getting relatively close to the big leagues. He's probably going to start the season in double A. Um, and he'll probably be ready some point next year. Yeah, and he's a bit older too, so he could definitely well, be a on college a fast guy. track. Yeah, uh, and I think you know, um, it's a, it's in favor of him as what you're saying. He's going to get yeah. quicker than you think, perhaps, if you just look at where he's was been at. I think perhaps with him, he was he looked so ugly in college <laughs> that swimming <laughs> that people may have not wanted to believe in him. And it took a whole season and like off season research to truly buy into him. So well, and, and, that, and the thing is too, the, 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 the thing is too, his first half of the season wasn't really that great. He didn't turn it on until like early August, and then he just went on a tear for the final two months of the season. Like like it was unbelievable. He was pretty kind of average, just putting up some solid numbers, hitting like 250, 260, a few home runs, wasn't really doing much, hitting a lot into the ground. And then he just made an adjustment, got a little lower in his stance uh, at the plate, and then all of a sudden he's just lifting balls all over the place. Um, and he just, I think he hit like 20 homers over the past two months. Um, it, it was ridiculous. With speed, too. That's what makes him so attractive is the speed as well. I mean, he's a freak yeah. athlete. And uh, yeah, those absolutely. guys are, uh, we like those in the prospect world. 
Um, what's interesting is after all those extreme examples of both reaches and values, we sort of hit a, a point in our draft where it was kind of close. I mean, they weren't right on cue, but nothing too crazy after Austin Martin, Austin Wells, Colton Kowser, Garrett Mitchell, Tyler Freeman. They go relatively close to where they should have been. But we had two more guys that we did not rank on our top 100, uh, top 200, top 200. I forget about that. It's not a top 100 list that we didn't rank. We didn't rank these guys on out of the 210 best prospects in October, just a few months ago. Caleb Killian for Chicago, the right-hander that came over in the Chris Bryant deal. And Cody Morris from Cleveland goes to Scotty. Um, at number 70 overall. So it's so crazy to think that we have a number 68 and a number 70 overall prospect that we didn't even bother. That means not one single person ranked them in the top 100 on prospects 1500. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And they've really kind of uh, jumped up a little bit there. Uh, Killian, I think Killian was involved in the Chris Bryant trade, wasn't he? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I just <laughs> oh, did say I don't know. Sorry, I've I've had you're, a long day. About your draft pick. I know you're on you're on deck. I know you're you're thinking about who to draft next. I get it. Yeah, it is it is it is tough. The the waiting and uh, looking at the at my queue and figuring out who to take, uh, and just waiting for the pick before me to come in and hoping it's not the guy that I want. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, just um, you know, the really kind of a big late movement from some of these guys and. You know, as we've talked about before, like if you've got your guy, uh, you know, if you're eyeing him up, just go ahead and take him. Cody Morris is interesting because in a draft like this, I understand the shooting up because he's triple A dominant already. I mean, he's 24, I believe, maybe 23. So he's a little older, but man, this is a perfect pitcher pick in your uh, prospect only type of league. You want these guys close to the big leagues. He's got great stuff. Um, I watched a, a, a few innings of him um, on the Twitter universe, and he he looks very polished. He looks ready to go, and plus he plays for Cleveland, and that's always a good thing. Caleb Killian, though, I, I feel like is a little bit – I mean, I like him too, and I don't know if he lasts much longer, so I get it, but it's just crazy to think that we didn't rank these guys. Um, after that, a couple of guys go that you would expect it to go in that certain range, uh, Libertor. Uh, Pahays and Cole Wynn, Michael Bush go kind of where they need to go. Um, I I don't want to go too far because I feel like we're gonna have to redo not redo but do a you know a second half of this do the the next 100. Um, a couple of good values are, go here late. Uh, maybe get your thoughts on this. Blaze Jordan, my guy, yes. goes to you. Uh, six picks actually after we suggested you should have taken him on the uh, aggregate list. So, um, you know what? I'll be honest. I sort of forgot about Blaze um, in this draft. <laughs> I don't know kind of how I did. I guess well, I didn't have a chance. I mean, I picked, oh, I, I I picked Taj Bradley mainly because I needed a pitcher. I think that was the big thing. And so mm-hmm. Blaze sort of slipped my mind. I was only focused on pitchers. You took advantage with Blaze, relatively close. Um, I got Pedro Leon at 86th overall. We had him 20 spots earlier. Um, at number 63 overall, that was one of the biggest values in the draft. Happy to see that. He, I don't know why he fell. I mean, either you liked Pedro Leon or you didn't. Nothing in the last couple of months should have changed that. And he is very close to the big leagues. I mean, Carlos Correa is gone. He's not going to be playing for Houston. Um, and that shortstop position, in, and he can even play the outfield as well. He's going to be up 
really quick, and he's a power speed guy. Not sure why people were hating on him. Maybe it's the Astros hate. Um, Royce Lewis goes to Greg at number 90 overall. I was I was shocked. I mean, I wouldn't. I was thinking of Royce Lewis too, but the injury mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I went to Pedro Leon first. But 47 spots after we suggested he should go in our our aggregate, and then Mick Abel goes 25 spots after we suggested he should go to uh, Steven Langer at number 94. So those three names again, Pedro Leon, uh, Royce Lewis, and Mick Abel. Uh, what are your thoughts about those guys going in the 80s and 90s overall? Yeah, I thought that was uh, you know, really interesting. And Royce Lewis was a guy I was thinking of. I didn't know how much farther he'd fall with that, uh, you know, coming off that knee injury. Um, I was thinking about him there uh, when I took Blaze Jordan uh, because uh, Jake uh, Gabe Sosa he double sniped me uh, with my guys there. I, I took Matt Brash because I wanted a, a pitcher and I wanted someone close to the big leagues. Um, I should have taken Harry Ford, you know, ahead of him. You know, that, that was kind of one of the guys I was eyeing up. I didn't, and he went. Then Groshans went. Then I'm just like, oh my god, now what do I do? Uh, and I ended up taking, you know, Blaze Jordan. I was thinking Jordan. I was thinking Pedro Leone. I was thinking uh, Royce Lewis, um, you know, all those guys. I also had a bell in my queue, but I was, you know, really kind of mad on him um, still. So I ended up going with Jordan, uh, much to your chagrin, I'm sure. And, you know, I, ju- I just went with that upside uh, there. Uh, you know, very big upside with Blaze Jordan. Um, but, I mean, Pedro Leone also, you know, a great pick there. Royce Lewis, very, very good value uh, for Greg. Uh, they're taking taking a chance on him. And plus, now he's going to be healthy in 2022. He's going to yeah. be fully back. So uh, I'm excited to see what Lewis can do this year. Yeah. And Royce Lewis was gaining momentum. You know, that Arizona Fall League, which has been actually a pretty decent uh, correlation to breakouts and he was going through that before of course the injury and making him miss all of the year but uh, assume he comes back 47 spots after he should have gone I don't again these are strange to me because Pedro Leon Royce Lewis and Micabel are all like really close or relatively close compared to some of these other guys uh, to the big league. So there really is no reason to bump them down. And yet, for whatever reason, these are the three that get bumped down. And Blaze Jordan, I mean, Blaze makes sense because he's so far away. I could I could see people passing over him. But those other three don't make a lot of sense <laughs> to me. So um, here we go, reaching the kind of the 100 level that I wanted to keep as a threshold. A couple guys seem to jump in here that barely made our top 200 aggregate um, and one guy that actually didn't at all. So let's go over a couple of these names here. Uh, Stephen Kwan from Cleveland, who uh, is big league ready. I mean, he's ready to go, go 80 spots uh, before. That was another guy I was I was contemplating there with yeah. my previous pick. He was a guy I like, and I realized that he's close to the big leagues. I just didn't understand where to take him in this draft. Um, because I didn't want to take Same. him too. He's a guy I did not want to take early. You know, I didn't want, right, I didn't yeah. want to take early. I wanted him to fall to me and, and get a value on him. Yeah. So I get, you know, that's a pretty good value at 91. I still wasn't ready to take him there. Uh, the catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who we uh, have talked about actually on here, Greg went over him uh, in a, a, a lot of detail. Andy Rodriguez, who we didn't rank. 
Uh, Yolki Cespedes goes 104 picks earlier than he should have. And Kevin Alcantara goes 90 picks earlier. Brandon Williamson goes 105 picks earlier than we suggested to Kev Seva, who also picked Peyton Battenfield, who went 60 picks earlier. So a lot of big numbers there that I just mentioned. We talked about Quan a little bit. What about those other guys? Anyone that you would want to defend uh, as a guy that you don't mind reaching for? Uh, Peyton Ban- Battenfield was a guy that uh, I was contemplating there. Uh, <coughs> ah, excuse me. Uh, he was a guy that I was contemplating there as well. No, you're dying on me. No, no, yeah, no. yeah, no. The the voice is starting to go after a little bit. Yeah, okay, I think, wrap it up here. <laughs> I, I think I've got I think I've got it clear now. But yeah, Peyton Banfield, uh, that, that's another guy who's going to be relatively close. Another Cleveland pitcher. Uh, that, you know, they just churn these guys out. Um, so I mean, that that's someone that I think is a, a solid pick, um, and, and not really too much of a reach. I, I've seen Banfield. He's really kind of gotten some uh, some late hype over the off season, moving his way up. To me, I agree with that. I think, you know, if you're going to, I need a pitcher to get up to the big leagues quick, good one to be. I think Kelvin Alcantara is definitely a top 100 prospect. Uh, watching some video of him, he he did the Rokio move with me where I just watched video and fell in love with him instantly. So he would be my pick. The problem is, look at some of these names that are going after those names we just mentioned. And you start to wonder, all right? You have D.L. Hall, Curtis Mead, Asa Lacey. Uh, Sal Freelich, Peter Crow Armstrong, Joensky Noel. Like these are guys that I think I would take ahead, except maybe Alcantara. But like those are some names later on. Like DL Hall has just fallen so much, and I I'm still struggling to understand why he would possibly go outside of our top 100. He's a though, Baltimore pitcher, and he's named yeah, DL. So is but so is Grayson Rodriguez, and we love Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, DL Hall has better stuff, like pure stuff, than Grayson Rodriguez. It's yeah. just an injury that derailed Hall, and and an injury that's really because he's a pitcher named like DL. <laughs> he's a walking disabled list. I mean, we didn't even rank him highly on our top 100 <laughs> either, so uh, we're top 200 for the aggregate. But man, that seems like a huge fall from grace for non-performance related stuff. And now I get it; he is a pitcher, but man, nice pick there. I think, even though it, it still suggests that it's a reach, but. The system's not perfect by any means. So, um, all right, you're on the clock. I know you're not on the clock technically, but nobody's going to hear this and then swipe your guy because Robbie's going to pick before this goes live. So who are you going to pick next? Who are you thinking about um, for pick 100 or 238 when you actually get to it? Yeah, so I've got I've got plenty of guys lined up here in my queue and provided that Robbie does not take uh, my guy here right before me and, and snipe my pick out from underneath me. Um, as we, uh, as I was just kind of talking about with uh, taking Cleveland pitchers and uh, their historic success, I am planning to select here Tanner Burns uh, here mm, in the 15th. A guy round. I mentioned, I mentioned, I, I knew you might be liking him. You mentioned him yeah, earlier he, one of our guys last yeah. week that you liked. I did, I did want to, I did want to let it let on to you that that's that was the guy I was thinking, but. Uh, yeah, Tanner Burns is uh, is my top choice here. Yeah, I, I definitely was leaning towards him. Um, Randy Vasquez, who literally went as we were discussing it off air, he went. <laughs> so I went with uh, Joshua Baez, who, you know, 
super far away. But if he's going to be better than Mike Trout, I'll wait. It's all good. Yeah. All right. We got baseball back. We're happy. I'm very excited to start seeing these guys in uh, games that matter. Spring training is coming up. We'll continue to go over this list as it comes through. Go over some. We're obviously going to have some crazy reaches and crazy values as we get deeper into this. I'm excited to go over it. Uh, you can follow along, you know, on Twitter. I'm I'm t- posting my picks. There's a it's hashtag prospects challenge. If you want to follow along, a lot of people are posting their picks in there. I'm sure we'll send links out to the draft board when it's all finalized. But uh, David, baseball's back. Any last words you wanted to say, or is it just going to be the uh, very cliched play ball? Oh, you know, I don't want to be too cliche, you know, but uh, I'm just finally excited that that baseball is back. Uh, we're going to have a regular season. We're going to have minor league baseball still scheduled, but we're not going to have any of those 40, those prospects that are on the 40 man. They're not going to be, you know, conspicuously held out. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for some baseball. I'm ready to go and let's get the season started, man. I'm ready. All right. Yeah. Next step, get those minor leaguers paid. Come on. Yeah. Man. I, don't, I still don't understand how they're not represented in the union. We'll represent 14-year-old Latin guys, but we won't represent the minor leaguers that literally make up thousands of players that are getting paid below poverty levels. Oh, okay, I shouldn't get into that at the end of a podcast. <laughs> but this is Futures Focus. My name is Alex Sanchez. David Gasper, follow us on Twitter at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. You can follow David at DGasper24. Again, Prospects 1500 is the site that sponsors this podcast, Futures Focus. We will talk to you all next week.